Welcome back to Privy, potty friends. Privy is a podcast about toilets recorded on a toilet. I'm your host from the hot seat, Hunter Hoover. And man, I love toilets. I had Taco Bell this week, so... You know... Yeah, you know I visited the throne this week having Taco Bell. Also... Since I last chatted with y'all, I uh, have had that second dose of the super juice. Got my got my second COVID vaccine. So, um, all I can say is the second one hits a little different than the first, and that's what you need to know. Looking forward to stuff opening back up, getting back out there and doing some things. Um, also, here at the top, I want to say it's been cool to hear from some of you. Yeah, heard from some folks up in uh, British Columbia who are planting trees and he shared some pictures about um, how they're, they're sharing positivity via some message left in the, in the outhouse in the privy. Uh, so that's cool. Awesome. Glad to see those things. Also heard from a listener who has used a, a pay toilet. They used it on a um, Greyhound bus station uh, years ago, which is also very, very cool. So um, would love to continue to hear from you guys. We'll, we'll shout that out at the end here. But yeah, life is good, and it's almost spring, which is great. This week on Privy, urine for a history lesson. Urine. Because we're going to talk about urine. And I will note that in today's times, like we really have two uses for urine. We flush it, and we take medical tests. And I've only had the astute pleasure of actually being tested having a pee test like once in my life. And you know, what's interesting is I work with teenagers. That's my job. Um, and I was not, I was not pee tested for working with teenagers. I was actually pee tested to sell underwear at an underwear retail store. And so that was when I peed in a cup, not working with teenagers selling underwear. So yeah, I'm certified. makes sense to me. Urine nowadays is used to test a number of different things. You can check for, as the employer is trying to do, drug abuse and drug use. Medical urinalysis, which is the science speak for testing pee, can find a number of things in urine. Uh, And it's kind of like a where's Waldo, but instead of a field of funnily dressed people, it's your pee stream. And a number of those things that you can find uh, include glucose, protein, bilirubin, which, nope, don't know what that is, red blood cells, white blood cells, uh, crystals, which I hope those are small because if you've got crystals in your pee, you're going to have some issues with streaming that. Anyway, uh, and other bacteria. And the amount of those things in your pee often indicates your body's response to something that is then producing those things. Uh, Something is wrong with your kidneys or with your urinary tract. And so when they look at your pee, they can tell kind of what's going on with the other parts of your body. That's the idea here. So after being tested, your urine is usually disposed of. Um, But that is nowadays. Sometimes it's used for like 
research, but not usually, maybe not as often as we would think. Um, but in days of old, when urine wasn't really being tested for medical or drug indicators, um, it was being used for other stuff. Now, another thing that you can do with urine nowadays that they did with urine back then, and it's actually going to play a role in some of these things that we're going to talk about, but you can make an electrical current using urine. Um, however, I would argue that this is probably not the most cost-effective or sanitary effective method for creating a stream of, of, of electricity. I almost said stream of urine, but that's not right. So, today on Privy, we're looking at the historical uses of urine. That sweet, not sweet, that's weird, that golden stream that we all know and some of us maybe love, but probably not so much. In history, urine had so many uses that it was actually considered valuable. And they would even use it in trade. It could be sold and had a high enough value that if you wanted to trade in it in ancient Rome, man, I promise we go back to ancient Rome and here we are. If you sold it, like if you if you wanted to collect, if if old Dougie's going down to the to the potties with his jar or his clay pot to collect Phil and Dougie Two's PP, he had to pay a tax if he wanted to sell it. Like there was enough money to be made and there was enough people doing this that they actually taxed the sale of urine, which is absolutely wild. Um, in olden times, sheep who got sick to the tum-tum, that is, they got a tummy ache, were given stale human urine to drink. Now, that seems whack, but it's not as whack as having those sheep and other, I would assume, other animals snort human urine up their nose to help treat lung problems. Now, that's cruel. And where this, this bit comes from mental floss, they also note that bees were cured with human urine, but search me on how bees were cured from human urine or from what? Like, what are bees got going on that human urine solves a problem for them? If you figured that out, shout at me, let me know. Um, but yeah, it's the idea that they that you would take a sheep and forcibly make it snort human urine in order to treat like respiratory problems is is just a wild wild thing to me it was also believed uh by the people in rome as noted by columella that stale urine would make specifically pomegranates juicier and tastier and bonus i think it's technically organic so good for them but this is fine we use all sorts of heinous things as fertilizer today so like Using human urine as fertilizer, I, I think that kind of gets a pass. Like, I'm okay with that. That's not like the most whack thing that's going to go down in history. And it's definitely not the whack thing, most whack thing that you're going to hear on this podcast today. I'll guarantee you that. So, Pliny the Elder. Now, anytime anybody ever introduces a sentence with, well, Pliny the Elder, just know that the things that are going to follow the name Pliny the Elder are probably, one, 
the poorest medical advice that you could ever give anyone ever, and two, some of the most whack garbage you've ever heard in your life. So, Pliny the Elder, who is essentially noted, again, for his very whack home medical remedies, believed urine could treat sores, burns, butt problems, chapped skin, and bug stings and bites. The dude was rubbing pee on like all sorts of stuff. So you're out in the you're out in the garden. You get stung by old bumblebee, McBumblebee. You run inside, and according to Pliny the Elder, throw that cortisone cream in the trash because you have a bladder full of the stuff that is going to get the job done. Don't know how you're gonna do it. I guess you pee on a rag and wipe it on there. But like this is Pliny the Elder's solution to getting stung by a bee amongst other things what a guy so with all of these things in mind you know have they have all of these uses and remedies and ways that they would use human urine specifically like somewhat stale human urine dave sets up shop at the public restrooms he's got his jars and he's getting a collection of urine and he's the weird like pee guy Who's got the weird smelling jars? Like, that has to be who he is. And at some point, Davo has to get down below deck, if you will, to put the jugs and jars into, for lack of a better word, the splash zone. And if you're going down there to put the jars and whatnot down there, you know you're going to get into some filthy business on your own self. You're nasty, Dave. You are nasty, Dave. But remember, there's money in pee. So much so that when Dave goes to leave and sell his collected wares, he is taxed. And it should be noted, I probably don't have to say this, but most, if not all, of the medical benefits were shady at best and terrible for you at the most. The Romans are on record saying that urine makes good mouthwash. Of all the things that you could use as mouthwash, here's a better solution. Do nothing. Use none mouthwash. Because the idea that your mouth is nasty enough that sw swashing with some human pee is, is a solution, that's not a solution. No. You're blasting a stream of yellow. That last thing you could ever, ever, ever be thinking is... Man, I bet that that stream of human byproduct would make a delightful, interestingly flavored mouth mouthwash. No, absolutely not. Catullus is the genius who came up with this very, very bad idea. And the sad thing is that in the area of like killing some bacteria, it likely worked well due to the levels of ammonia in urine. And in case this notion and this idea hasn't just like weeded itself out of our society today, I'm just going to go on record and tell you, don't do this. Uh, you can get a cheap bottle of like off-brand Listerine for probably a dollar or just a little more. If you really got to be doing mouthwash, this, this is not an option. So don't do it. 
There are so many other better options that smell and taste like mint or cinnamon or whatnot and not like human musk. So don't do it. It's an incredibly bad idea. Could tell us or can tell him was here today. I'd tell him that. I'd say, hey, you know what? Let me introduce you to my friend Listerine. Like, you don't need to be doing this, bud. It's, it's no good. Absolutely foul. Like, how bad does your breath have to be? And how brown do your teeth have to be? And how abysmal does the dental scene in the world that you live in need to be to stop using urine as a mouthwash? You're stooping to that level. Thank God for how far we've come. The next time you're peeing, and the next time especially that you're peeing within vicinity of like maybe the tooth care instruments that you have access to today, I want you to, I just want you to be thankful, okay? Just be thankful that you're not doing this. Folks in history also found the ammonia in urine could clean and lift stains from more than just your teeth, or it's probably likely that they found the others first and the teeth think followed, but whatever. And the Romans, it would be common to find pots to piss in where the owner of the pot would then take that pot to do their laundry. Now, the, okay, so you have like the communal wee pot and you stick it out and everybody wee wees and they do that. And then you take that home and you think, you know what I'm going to do now? I'm going to do some laundry with this human waste. Big scale launderers in Rome called Felonica would dilute the pee with water, dump them over the clothes, and then a worker, and I'm assuming we can call them short straw Sharon because you know the dude who pulled the long straw ain't doing this job, would have to stand in a vat of human wet and stomp on the laundry to help get it clean. It's like river stomping grapes for wine except for your river stomping laundry and the river is made of urine. What are you doing? Hey, ancient Rome, it's called detergent. And to think, to think we got some dinguses running around eating Tide Pods, like y'all ain't smarter. So don't be doing that. If you hate doing laundry, just remember, someone used to have the, again, short straw job of stamping urine-soaked clothing. What, what a time it would have been to have been alive. And like, you roll over to their house and it's just like, hey, you know, what are y'all doing? Oh, you know, I'm doing laundry this afternoon, so I'm going to be busy with that. And then you walk out and they're like little place and they're like, yeah, da, 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 da. And they're just like stomping on a just vat of pee with their clothes sitting in it. It's, it's unfathomable. Unfathomable. I hate doing laundry, but that's wild. The use of urine didn't die in Rome. Early Europeans were still using pee to do their laundry. Early Europeans, like this made it out of the Roman Empire. What a wild thing. They had soap and they were still using pee. I assume either to it being super effective or being literally free as long as you stay hydrated. So it does make you wonder and it makes your brain wander. Was it more effective the less hydrated you were? Like, if you're blasting orange streams of, of wee, like, did you have, like, super pee that was able to, like, oxyclean that joker faster? Or was it, like, the more 
hydrated you are, the more like closer to tide you are. I don't know. It's interesting. Even after folks made the shift to, so yeah, it's OxyClean of nature. Smells worse. Can't work as well. It was used so much. P using as being used as a cleaning agent it was used so much that it became to be known as chamber lye. Now, soap existed and they would still use urine for stain removal. In my opinion, just let there be a stain. Like something can be clean and have a stain on it. Like stains do not mean something is not clean. If if I like big city barbecue my my white t-shirt and everything is done to clean that shirt and remove that stain like even if it's washed and it still has a little bit of a spot on it it's still clean like peeing on it then is not the solution i think to making it more clean and i know they washed it after soaking it and removing the urine stain i understand that but it's just a wild thought like it's counterintuitive so now if you didn't think we were there already we're going to get into what I would call spooky territory. Apparently, there is a cleaning molecule or something called a, a mordant. And this compound is a dye fixative and helps colors better adhere to and pop on fabrics. So if you want like clothes that are like bright and shiny and have super colors, you would use these molecules to help them better adhere you get more washes, they don't wear down as often, that type of thing. So urine is truly the oxyclean of nature in that it removes stains, but it can also make the colors of your clothes pop. What a world. Nowadays, they use something called Direx to get colors to stick. But this isn't detergent day. This is urine day. So it should be noted, they're just not peeing on their clothes to hold the color. The more it works best with stale urine. So you pee and then you diligently take that pee that you have excreted and you store it and let it sit and let it get stagnant. And then you use it for cleaning and making your colors look beautiful in your clothes. Like, you know, like Chucky, Chucky B rolls out with his Led Zeppelin t-shirt and he's like, -na 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 -na. and he's, and he's just jamming and he's like, man, I got this shirt in the seventies at the concert and you're like whoa that thing looks like it's brand new what's your secret chucky b and he says oh yeah you gotta wash it in urine record scratch you're gonna be thinking about your friendship with chucky b just saying as the industry started to boom this much cheaper alternative was used by 16th century english textiles now we are within 500 years of when this was used that's crazy English textiles would use this to get the color to stick, to store it, and this is where, okay, to store the amount of urine that they needed. Remember, these are big textile industries. They had 511 million milliliters of urine in a tank. That is a 135,000 gallon tank, 135,000 gallons of stale human whiz used to help clothes have colors more effectively. And it's estimated to be as if 1,000 people peed 
into the tank every day for a year. It's too much urine. It's too much. Because can you imagine if, God forbid, they had a leak or, God forbid, that tank burst? People could drown in that much pee. It's insane. There's got to be a better way. And there was. Can you imagine? Like, urine was, wow, this is, what a world. I'm glad we're not there anymore. Here we go. Later. Urine was used to soak leather to make it softer and easier to work with. And it would also allow them to remove the hair and bits of excess skin that would be on like hides of animals that they were going to turn into leather. The culprit, ammonia in stale urine again. So what we're finding here, ammonia, good. Ammonia in stale urine, less good. Urine? Not good. That's the lesson. Another use uh, was to make gunpowder. And admittedly, this one is a long walk to the store, but worth the trip. To make gunpowder, you need something called saltpeter, which is the compound potassium nitrate. Welcome to chemistry class. Bathroom chemistry. But, never mind. This is made now, but before it was manufactured, you could use drum roll, urine. So it took time because Joseph LeConte, a geologist, wrote in 1862 that you could make gunpowder with a, quote, good supply of thoroughly rotted manure of the richest kind, which you would then mix with ash and leaves and straw. No urine yet, but you would need to keep the mixture moist. Enter our yellow, disgusting friend. This is done over the course of months, moisten, stir, lets it repeat. Phone keys, wallet, never mind. Eventually, you stop adding pee, and a nitrous su substance settles on the top of the pile as it ripens. It's white. And Leconte says that the way you can detect if you have the final product. So let's back up, roll back the tape. Mr. Leconte says, find whack manure. Now add materials, ash, leaves, whatever. Mix it up. You've made a slurry. Now you're going to pee on it. Now you're going to keep doing that and keep mixing and just keep doing that for about a month or so. And then, in case you do all that process and you're not sure if you did it right, Leconte's got the, the final say. This is how you're going to double check. Like, in math, you check your work. In Leconte's gunpowder, you check your work. And the way you do it, you taste that joker. You get down there and you just get your tongue out and you're just like, like the dude from Rudolph who's just like licking his pickaxe on it. That's LeConte and his nasty pea slurry gunpowder mix. Why would you? Bro, you took feces, poop. You mixed it with crap you found lying around kept it moist with your urine for months. And you decide that the, the only way to make sure that it's right is to taste it? That's a sick geologist, man. That's whack. You don't do that. There are records of people using stale urine to treat diaper rash. That can't work. That's counterintuitive. You get diaper rash from pee and other poo-poo being in your pants and touching your skin. 
How is putting more pee on the skin going to help the diaper rash? It doesn't make sense. So, moving into France, French surgeon Ambrose Perret, probably said that name wrong. I'm not a Frenchman. He notes, thank goodness that he notes this. If, we did, if he didn't note it, we wouldn't know it. He notes that you can rub a person's stale urine on your eyelids to keep them from itching. Now, if you have like psoriasis or something about itchy eyelids, like this is not a solution. If I rolled in, I said, hey, I've got the idea. How bad are your eyelids itching, my dude? Like itching your eyelids cannot be a worse solution than containing your urine overnight and wiping your face with it the next day. Chemists and uh, doctors would tell their patients to drink a swig of their own pee preferably still warm why because health benefits like that's the same reason we take vitamins because of health benefits it mysterious health benefits drink your pee don't do it 1500s dr leonardo fioravanti sure used his own urine sick doctor to sterilize the nose of a patient whose nose had been cut off and he had to act quick dude rolls in with no nose on his face he's like time to sterilize Whips out hog sprays. That's whack. Nuh-uh. Later, it was recommended that battle wounds be peed on in the moment to help fight infection. It's a sad thought to think how many folks may have gained infection just from that. I don't know. Maybe it wouldn't have. Maybe it is sterile enough. Seems unlikely. In the 1600s, they believed urine could ward off the plague. All right. I guess you pee around your house and around your bed. And I think one thing we learn from many of these medical and, and urine uses over time is it became an emergency measure. It might work some. And when you're desperate, you'll try anything. Urine kept some soldiers alive in World War I as they would pee on a rag or a cloth and use the urine-soaked rag as a gas mask to ward off against the, the gas warfare. Nowadays... It is used mostly in urine tests. Urine tests go back to ancient Babylonia and Sumeria where they looked at urine to try to determine possible problems of the patient. So even this is grounded in the history of urine. Hippocrates, who is called the father of Western medicine, said that no other system provides more information about the human body and what's going on in it than the urinary tract system. And though not all things can be determined from urine today. In medieval medicine, they believed you could get to the bottom of most problems in people by observing their pee. And with these things in mind, one wonders if studying urine to find the problems led to so many thinking that urine could be a treatment. Unless we look at all this and think, man, how could they think that? It's believed, and falsely so, that peeing on your feet can fight athlete's foot. I for sure did this. I would be in gym or in wherever and you're just like showering and you're just letting like spraying toe to make sure you don't get athlete's foot. I know I peed on my feet in high school in the showers because I heard this rumor. It doesn't do anything. Probably didn't hurt though. Peeing on a jellyfish sting doesn't help the situation. So no, don't do it. The best thing to do is go get help, not pee on your friend. I will note briefly here that one other urine test we have is the pregnancy test. 
But I think those need their own episode for sure. As we talk about these different ways P has been used, I'm concerned with all the organic and simple living folks who flourish right now, especially out here in the Pacific Northwest. I'm certain there is someone running around using and storing their urine for what I would identify as alternative use today. Most of these things are not worth doing today. So just don't. Don't do it. Now, it's time to return to Hunter's Anecdotes to keep you afloat. This anecdote comes from the what I remember to be the winter of sometime between 2008 and 2010. We were out on a, uh, a youth trip and we had gone to some person's property and we we're having like a, a winter fire pit. So, I mean, it's Montana, things are cold, but there's this like big bonfire in the middle. And so everybody's staying warm around the fire. And I remember like we were all like walking around and they had this shed and the shed was kind of like icy on the side. And there's snow. And I remember we go behind the shed and somebody was like, hey, we should see how high we can pee. And so, you know, somebody goes behind the shed and they pee and then they come back and another guy goes around the shed. And I remember my homie and I don't have permission to use his name, but Prospector Chiggins, he goes he goes back behind the shed and and the dude comes out. And I remember us all just being like, what in the heck? Because we go back there and the pee stream was like, I mean, at the time we were probably what, like five foot tall. This pee stream was well over like six foot. It was above all of our heads. And we're all standing there like, dude, like, what did you climb on? Like, how did you rig this up to pee this high? And then he kind of like, yeah, you know. And I remember him explaining to us, like, it, it's kind of like a fire hose. Like, you pinch it, and then when you feel the pressure build up, you just let it go, and it just shoots way up there. And First of all, here's what I'll say. Don't do that. Like, I mean, do it. It's your body, your thing. But it, it doesn't feel good. Like when you pinch the pee stream, it doesn't feel great. It It's probably bad for you, whatever. But we were all just baffled and impressed by the just pure height of this wee stream. And it, you know, it was glorious. It was unmatched by any pee stream I had ever seen in my entire life. Um. Also, I distinctly remember in high school, like we would walk down the road and I remember my homie was like, hey, dude, check this out. I don't have to stop. I can just walk and pee. And he's like walking backwards and he's like peeing, but it's like dinghy, dinghy is like swinging around and it's like peeing in this erratic like pattern. And it's like, dude, you're going to for sure slop whiz on your leg. Like it's just stop and go use the bush and then we'll keep walking. You know what I'm saying? But this is Hunter's anecdotes to keep you afloat. And this episode has just been soaked and saturated with history. If you have a comment and want to say hello, leave us a comment. Connect with us on social media or email. We're email privycast at gmail.com and social at privycast. Love to hear from you. Follow us on all the thingies and see what's going on out there um, as we continue to build this community. If you listen to your podcasts on a service that allows you to leave a review. We would love the five-star option. Um, and we'll try to read some of those reviews on the podcast as they come in. 
we'd like to thank Kevin McLeod for the use of Barroom Ballet uh, as our intro and outro music. You can find Kevin's music at incompetech.org, and his music is licensed under copyright 4.0. Thanks, Kevin. We'd also like to thank Poddington Bear for the use of all colors in the world. You can find Poddington Bear's music at poddingtonbear.com. Thanks, Poddington. And now, as always, don't forget to flush. <laughs>